doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Hey, the doctor is in. It is advanced medicine time. And Dr. Rashid Batar, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. And I don't know whether the listeners know that it's your birthday today. So happy birthday. Yeah, Super Don kind of let the ca- the birthday cat out of the bag. Oh. I, I, I couldn't hide it. Uh, and, you know, the, the silliness that uh, ensues from there. But thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. I'm going to embarrass you by singing or by saying, telling the word that you're 64 today or anything like that. So. No, no, but I think if you sing, the embarrassment would be all yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Channeling a little Ty Bollinger there for you. Oh, uh, my gosh. Well, listen, it, you know, it is a celebration day on some level. I, I mentioned earlier uh, the idea that, well, in the Northern Hemisphere, I think, you know, we're getting a little little closer to warmer weather, certainly where I was last week in North Carolina, and you are there all the time. It was like minus two degrees in Asheville, and then it was in the teens or single digits in Charlotte. It was crazy kind of weather that you've been dealing with. Are the animals okay? Yeah, it actually was a touch and go for some of them, but actually it was uh, down to four degrees. I don't remember whether it was Friday night or uh, which night it was, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one of those nights it got down as low as four degrees, which is last year they said, I don't remember, it was last year, two years ago, it was the coldest winter in 137 years in North Carolina, and I think it was got down to like 15 degrees or 14 degrees, but this was uh, 10 degrees less than that even, so kind of strange. Wow, incredible. So uh, if we're looking at the weather issues, I mean, you've got a lot of different animals there. And I think even, uh, you know, the dogs that, you that, that that you know, you've done so well in, in breeding some champions there, I believe, uh, there was a big story uh, in the mainstream news about serious adverse events happening from vaccines, but they're not talking about people. They're talking about animals. A news story actually covered, they're saying, are, are animals being over-vaccinated? Yeah, without a doubt, that's uh, something that's interesting that you're bringing up because I've actually had people um, contact me asking me my opinion about the canine vaccines. And believe it or not, there are certain people that have sought us out because of our viewpoint on the on the vaccination. So it's a it's a massive massive issue. And in fact, the thimerosal was taken out of equine and canine vaccines a number of years ago. Um, back in the 70s and 80s, if I believe. And uh, it's it's really surprising that they took thimerosal out from the canine and equine vaccines but left it in the human vaccines. Regardless of what the dilemmas and confusion and controversies are, you know, the question is if you took it out of the animals' vaccines because it wasn't considered safe, then why did you leave it in human vaccines? Right, and Mike Adams wrote a big piece just today about the fact that the media is still lying to us about, uh, you know, that vaccines are free of mercury. Anybody with an ICP or any kind of basic uh, scientific uh, instrument that can measure mercury can determine that they're not telling the truth about the mercury that's still left in the vaccines. Well, Congressman Dan Burton held congressional hearings on this very matter because Safe Minds and then there was another organization, they did their... Uh, independent analysis in four different vials of four different types of vaccines, and they found that thimerosal was present in all four of these vials, even though they were labeled 
as thimerosal free. Mm-hmm. And they had the head of the FTC there and the FDA. And uh, we've covered this on the air before, but for those that didn't hear this before, essentially, uh, Congressman Dan Burton asked, why is it that these things are labeled as thimerosal free, and yet when tested, they have thimerosal? And the head of the FDA responded that this is um, something... I'm sorry, excuse me. He, he addressed the question to the head of the FTC and the FTC because this was a truth in marketing and you know, this is a, um, th- there's a big issue, obviously, that you're sure. saying that this is so free. So he asked the FTC and the FTC uh, had turned it over and said, well, you'll have to ask the head of the FDA this. <laughs> and you know, they, were, they were both there. And the response of the FDA was, well, by law, we are required to disclose anything that's in the product that's added to the product. However, thimerosal is no longer added to the product. So Congressman Burton said, then if that's true, why is it still in there when we tested it? And the response of the FDA was that, well, we don't add it anymore. When you add ingredient one, ingredient two, ingredient three into a vial, you have to disclose it. But we don't do that anymore. The thimerosal that is being tested is actually utilized in the manufacturing process before it's ever added to the vial. So when it's added in the vial, when, when the whole concoction is added to the vial, there is no thimerosal that's being added. That was used in the manufacturing process. So by law, we don't have to disclose that. Yeah, it is it is extraordinary. And if you're hearing it for the first time, you may be shocked by that fact that right. the subcomponents are all also, in many cases, preserved with mercury, as you said, in the process of making it. But because they don't add extra at the end, they can then claim that they're thimerosal, a.k.a. mercury-free. If they had actually added thimerosal to the vial during the manuf- uh, you know, at, at the point of uh, packaging, then they would have to disclose it. But because it was done in the manufacturing process, they didn't have to disclose it. And Congressman Dan Burton asked for criminal sanctions to be brought against the FDA and the FTC. And, of course, the conventional media didn't even cover it. It wasn't no. covered. It was a C-SPAN. That was it. It was just, you know, butched over. Nobody even reported on the Internet. This well. was in 2000. Uh, this was in 2004, I believe it was. Yeah, well, reporters who actually report, investigate, and report on what they find are, are soon found to be out of a job. So uh, we don't look to the corporate media for real information, but we do point out the fact that they are absolutely covering up. And occasionally a story slips out, like this one we covered last hour with Superdon on the fact that, uh, you know, they're saying, hey, there are people that are veterinarians going, hey, there's a problem here with animals and vaccines. I remember uh, with the, the cats, I've had cats over the years, and, and, you know, before I knew this many years ago, found that cancers were happening at the site of, you know, the recurrent in, in injections. And then the veterinary associations were all, in, were all telling them, you start switching up the places that you inject these cats each year so they don't get these tumors in that one spot. Unbelievable. That's, that's unbelievable. You know, it's, it's, it reminds me of that. You, know, you go back to the time of Seminolize. You know the story of Seminolize. Yeah, right? Ignace Seminolize, of course. Right. Um, when everybody was uh, considered to be a lunatic and out in the fringe if they talked about washing their hands prior to doing some type of a surgical procedure um, because when Semmelweis claimed that there may be things that we can't see, uh, microbes that we couldn't see that could be contributing to the disease process or the infectious process, this guy who we now in medicine during modern days herald as a hero and as a person that you know changed medicine uh, the course of history, the course of history as far as medicine is concerned, uh, died penniless, died in an insane asylum, disowned by his family and friends, and considered uh, by everybody that knew him as somebody who'd lost it. Yeah.
<laughs> Absolutely incredible. And we're seeing these modern-day symbolizes, of course, are being uh, smeared with a term anti-vaxxer, but we've actually come up with here on the Robert Scott Bell Show a term that really relates to the Paul Offits of the world. They're anti-factsers. They're against the facts that we bring to them. That's a good one. I like that, anti-factsers. Yeah, so we we got to call them out. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with people that are against facsimiles, right? <laughs> yeah, anti-facsimile machines. No, 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 that's not. It's not. It's facts. If you're against the facts, uh, you're an anti-faxer now. We've got to really utilize the language the because they're Orwellianly changing it. I've just made up that word, Orwellianly uh, cha- the, changing it. It's like evidence-based medicine. That's exactly you know, everything we do is based on evidence. Yet they claim that that's what's double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multi-center trial is, is evidence-based, which has nothing to do with evidence-based. Evidence-based means we're based on evidence, but what they're doing is anything but evidence-based. Well, and all you have to do, Dr. Batar, is bring up the fact that they haven't done those studies, those crossover multi-centered trials, peer, uh, peer-reviewed ultimately, but uh, blinded, double-blinded. I mean, they haven't done them for vaccines. Yeah. So That's here we true. are, but with the, with the pet thing, I want to I talk to you because you work with animals a lot. Have you seen it? And if so, what can you do? I mean, for me as a homeopath, of course, I would uh, do the homeopathic vaccinosis remedies as well. I mean, I would rather not give the vaccines. But if you're, let's say, if you're selling animals across state lines, they'll probably mandate that you have to do it. Well, you, you, there are certain things that you have to that are mandated pretty much by every state. And that's rabies, for example. But it's when you give the rabies. So a lot of vets say at four months. Um, now I'm hearing some vets have even recommended it two months. That's ridiculous. I don't do any kind of rabies vaccine till the um, till the dog is six months old of age. Um, so the point is really, let's come back to our label that you said that, you know, we are not anti-vaccine. We've said this over and over again. We are for the judicious and intelligent use of the immune system to be um, to be supported. Right. In its process, and the whole idea of vaccination is to support the immune system by giving it a signature of a potential pathogen so that when it truly encounters that pathogen in a more virulent uh, state or in a more uh, prolific uh, dose, then the body is able to compensate and more rapidly elicit the immune reaction that it needs in order to uh, sustain the system in order exactly. to sustain the body. Okay, that's the whole idea behind a vaccine. Well, if that's true, then as we've said before, the first criteria is that you must give that vaccine without substances that are going to suppress the immune system because the whole idea of a vaccine is to increase the immune system. So then why are we giving it with nickel and aluminum and formaldehyde and mercury and you know all this other stuff? That's the first question. It's absolutely counter their intelligence. That's the first issue. Second, and, you know, counterproductive to their argument. Second issue is, when are you going to give it? Because if you're going to give a vaccine then to make the immune system stronger, you must give that vaccine when the immune system is capable of actually being trained in knowing when it's supposed to respond, meaning that the immune system must be intact and fully functional in order for it to be uh, able to remember that, oh, this is a vaccine I've been given, so that if, God forbid, I ever encounter whatever, hepatitis B, then I know that right. I'm supposed to, you know, I've already got the antibody. But when you give it the immune system, when you give the vaccine to an immune system that hasn't fully functioned... Well, it's immature, yeah. Well, you're asking that, that Dr. Batar, you're asking that doctors actually think clearly and use the intelligence God may have granted them, much less that which they should have studied in school. Listen, we've got to take a break here. It's advanced medicine time. Check it out, Medical Rewind, if you miss the show, medicalrewind.com and robertscottbell.com. Back with more of Dr. Batar after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back with Dr. Batar, and uh, as we were going to break, Dr. Batar, I said, you know, we're asking maybe too much of doctors to use the intelligence God may have granted them or their training if they've actually studied this subject, and I didn't get a chance to hear your perspective, which I always love, on these topics. Well, you, do you mean to just continue the thought process that we were just now on? Yeah, because you, you mentioned that you delayed the vaccine until, uh, you know, in these animals that are required to have them, until at least that there's an immune response even possible. I mean, that doesn't seem too much to though, have. That's just animals to humans too that's the whole my whole you know when, when we come back what we're talking about animals or, or, or humans it's the same argument we're not against vaccines we're for the appropriate use of the vaccine so one you need to give a, a vaccine if you want to stimulate the immune system something that's not included in that vaccine that's going to suppress the immune system that's the first thing and the second thing is that you must have the immune system in the capacity that it can actually act it can actually respond to the you know to the to the antigen that's being introduced so that we get the desired result. But if you give it to an immune system that hasn't been uh, mature, isn't mature enough to actually respond, then what's the point of giving the vaccine? All you're doing is now putting more burden on a system that is not fully mature. You're causing an entire cascade to be elicited that we have no idea what the implications are in the immune system downstream. I'm talking about when the person's 5, 10, 20, 50 years old. What's it going to do for cancer? What's it going to do to heart disease? What's it going to do to all these other components? I mean, do you think that this, it's a surprise that the cancer rates and the heart disease rates are higher now than at any other time in history. And, of course, it's all correlated with the time that we're giving all these vaccines. And the sooner we start giving vaccines, we went from all the vaccines that were given in the 30s, 40s, 50s, whenever it was, to 1991 when we started the National Vaccine Initiative by giving children on the first day of the planet right. all the vaccines. What do you think the implications are there? Well, now we've got genetic epidemics, supposedly, like yes. autism. It went from incidence in 1 in 10,000 to now an incidence in 1 in 50, 1 in 60. Right. So in the case of knowing what you know and realizing if, if you're dealing with animals, raising them, selling them, that there are some level of requirements that you can't escape, uh, are you doing any other precautions besides waiting? You know, like like I insist using like vaccinosis remedies like Thuja and others in homeopathy to at least minimize some of the potential damage. Well, the first thing is obviously not giving the substance, the offending substance. It's almost like saying, how do you, is there anything you can do to potentially prevent the injury from a gunshot wound? Well, the first thing is to prevent the bullet from entering the body. Agreed, right? agreed, 100%, yes. So that, that goes without saying. So besides that, um, you know, prevention, I, I, I've uh, given a lot of lectures on cancer, and uh, even to the American Cancer Society, I've given a presentation in Puerto Rico at the fifth annual breast cancer convention, and, and there's a number of different uh, mainstream as well as many other non-mainstream integrative type conferences where I've lectured um, in on the topic of cancer. And I have a slide in my cancer presentation that talks about the real cure, which is not a term that you can use legally, by the way, yes. but real cure for cancer actually is prevention. Now, that may sound a little um, contradictory or uh, maybe like an oxymoron, but here's yeah. the thing. Yes. The process of cancer, see, cancer is not the problem. Cancer is a symptom. So the solution to cancer is actually prevention, to prevent the thing from ever coming. And And here's the thing. When we talk about things like measles or smallpox, and we talk about all these different things like the meningococcemia, which is a big thing now, it's recently going on, I'm sure we're going to hear it about the media in the next few weeks, 
whatever we're talking about, let's talk about preventing those things from happening before we start talking about vaccines. I assume your question was, how do you prevent the damage from the vaccines, correct? Are you, are yeah, of course. That? And also we acknowledge that maybe preventing the disease in, total, in its totality may be uh, – a ne- there's a negative consequence to the immune system that doesn't mature there as well, and we see higher incidence of chronic disease in those who have been artificially prevented from expressing the disease. That's exactly right. So that's the whole thing right there, that we first prevent the disease. That's not one thing. But not only the prevention of the disease, um, doing things that would prevent, because remember, we're talking about specific issues right now. Let's talk about generalities, you know. When I talk about generalities, I mean, um, we talked about this when we were talking about the Ebola issue, Robert. Remember, we talked about better nutrition, right. uh, better hygiene, um, cleaner water, just some, some basic things. Then you start talking about when you doing specific seasons, like the flu season or whatever, when people are more concerned about catching a cold or whatever the case may be. Then you've got other precautions, like washing your hands with soap and water, not using those chemical disinfectants that, one, God knows what it's doing to our bodies, and two, you know, probably gets rid of the natural flora that is... Oh, yeah, most most undoubtedly. And, of course, damages the actual epithelial barrier, your earth suit, whether it be outside your body. We talk about the skin or inside the body, the tissue through the gut. Listen, we're up against the break, Dr. Batar. I appreciate you, as always. And we're going to continue this discussion, not only about pets, but humans as well. Stick around. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, always an interesting discussion when we have Dr. Batar on board here, Advanced Medicine. Remember, medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com. And uh, we brought Dr. Batar. I was in Naples, Florida over the weekend, thawing out from my trip to North Carolina last week. And, uh, of course, as, as you always travel with me. You don't know it because I have, you know, your book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And always intrigues people and still people are shocked if they haven't heard about you because you know there are pockets of people that don't know about us yet and we go out into the world to help them and you know when i tell them your story briefly about abby and the vaccine and what happened and how you reversed it there there's still there are gasps in the audience of people that have not been exposed to the fact that we can not only help that one child your child but many others and of course the discussion is always to prevent the bullet from going in in the first place well, that's absolutely right. Uh, the, the prevention is a key. It is the it is the answer to pretty much all solutions. If you think about it, Robert, prevention, an ounce of prevention is kind of worth a pound of cure, right? That's the old saying. And we sometimes forget that even something as rudimentary as exercise, it is preventive. The benefits of exercise, the greatest benefits of exercise is it prevents many of these conditions, medical conditions from acquiring from a, for, for a person to acquire them. For example, not only cardiovascular disease, let's put aside cardiovascular disease and respiratory things and things like uh, abstaining from smoking is obviously going to reduce the chance of somebody getting chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and all these things, but let's look at things like arthritis. Mm-hmm. Or let's look at people that have arthritis and you take two 75-year-olds that have arthritis and you see one that exercises and one that doesn't exercise. The one that exercises, even though they have the same condition, their mobility, their ability to deal with the pain, their amount of medications that they have to take for pain control tolerance, way less, uh, functioning is way more. I, in fact, I know that four or five years ago, when we first started the radio show, if you remember, yeah. I told the story of uh, 
a guy at the gym that was in his mid-70s, and I saw him working out, and I talked with him, and I told him that that's pretty impressive that, you know, you're working out, and most people your age um, aren't doing anything. And he laughed, and he said, the reason I do it is because if I didn't do it, I'd be so stiff, mm-hmm. you know, and the pain would be so great. He said, exercising helps me to deal with my arthritis. That's why I do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, the, and the thing is, it's it's common sense, and I and I also said that earlier about using the sense that God may have granted you. You know, on top of or even more prior to the information you acquire through schooling, for instance, going through medical school. If you abandon that common sense, then all the schooling in the world is going to tend to harm you or harm others that you use that because you've abandoned the thing that could uh, differentiate between that that which is applicable and not applicable, that which is dangerous and not dangerous. And we see so much of those people have reached high, achieved high levels of education but have abandoned basic common sense, you know, f- for book knowledge, for instance. Absolutely. And, and this is one of the problems that, you know, when we talk about the educational system, Robert, you've got the practical aspect of experience and you've got obviously the book knowledge aspect and two different components. In fact, it reminds me of watching one of those movies where the new soldiers that have just gone through the basic training arrive at Vietnam and the uh, sergeant that they're assigned to says, basically, you just come through boot camp. Now, you, uh, if, if you want to survive, forget everything that you've learned and listen to what I'm going to tell you to do. Follow me. Mm-hmm. Or you can listen to what you learned in boot camp and you'll go home in a body bag in the next two weeks. So the reason I kind of thought of that was there's a, there's a component of practical knowledge and then there's a component of experienced knowledge. And we have to take combination of both these things. We know that the immune system is important. We know that um, vaccines have the potential of benefiting an individual if we give it the right time. We, it, it's, really, it's not even really the concept of vaccine. If you take a, some type of a substance that you know can cause a disease and you just take that substance, um, make it weaker, and give it to a person with a normal intact immune system. Um, perfect example is venom, a snake venom. Right. You've seen this, I take the snake venom, right? But snake venom is very poisonous. It can kill a person. But they slowly expose themselves to snake venom, and actually snake venom has been used in some medicinal um, applications. Oh, in, in homeopathy, Dr. Batar, fantastic remedies, the snake venom, some of the most extraordinary remedies. Really? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. So, so basically, if you take... If you get exposed to snake venom, you're going to die, depending on the type of snake. Let's just say, you know, a rattlesnake or something. But if you slowly expose yourself over time, it can strengthen the body. So the vaccine's concept is to strengthen the body, which we are completely 100% for. Mm-hmm. It is the manner in which it's done, which is idiotic. Yeah, exactly. Violating so many levels of, let's just call it common sense, in defense of an economic imperative and that economic imperative, which has become very profitable because of mandates and subsidies, etc., also by the relieving, the complete and total relief from liability so that these vaccine manufacturers have no incentive whatsoever to do what we're talking about, to actually make them or apply them in an appropriate manner that is actually safe. It doesn't matter. Why should they? There's no liability when they harm, injure, maim, or kill. Exactly. And actually, you know, when you said it violates common sense, Robert, it also violates God's mm-hmm. law yeah. of theology, the way the Creator designed the machine to work. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's so important to bring it back. And, you know, this is the attack that's happening on all of us who believe the way we believe. Uh, we will, you know, stand on that statement ultimately, our belief in God or belief in a religious belief, spiritual belief, that this violates a fundamental reality of creation. 
And yet we are being attacked by those who are so dogmatic in their religion, that church of pharmaceutical and vaccine mysticism, that they're trying to remove the ability to say no to vaccines via just about every method they can. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the problem is the cost of which nobody has, or I shouldn't say nobody, obviously people like you and I and and many parents have, but the cost of which is something that, you know, it's it's just unfathomable what we are willing to, or what the what the powers that be are willing to sacrifice in right. order to to allow this to continue forward. And that's where there's a mixture of anger and sadness, anger towards these entities and people, these groups that would propagate this under false pretense of protecting our children and, you know, um, parents that are willing to take a stand to protect the child are actually uh, demonized and minimized and uh, ridiculed and sometimes even persecuted. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the, that's, that's the anger part. And then the sadness is, look what we as a human species are willing to do. And I guess it shouldn't really surprise us because we see what happened um, the atrocities committed by the Nazis, the atrocities committed in all wars uh, against others, uh, innocents, you know, women and children, um, things that are happening in the world right now, Rwanda and all these different things. So I guess if you see that small little governments have created such havoc and such mayhem and such slaughter, then I guess in an organized, bigger context, this is no different what humans are capable of, of, of annihilation of literally populations. Sure. And this is, you know, make no mistake of it, this is a... Um, again, I don't know whether we want to, you know, I guess it's too late to not talk about, do we want to talk about it or there, but yeah. in, in my opinion, this is a form of genocide, and it's a form of genocide that's wider and greater and deeper than mm-hmm. anything ever formally committed against mankind, and the problem is it's a very insidious r- way of, of occurring, and it's done right underneath our noses. Mm-hmm. They're boiling the frog slowly, or putting the frog in, in warm water and turning up the heat Very and boiling so, yeah. the, the frog never doesn't even know that it's being boiled and never jumps out of the water. No, we have to say this. We have to speak loudly about it now, Dr. Batar, because as I've called out uh, other members of the media uh, on the higher-up mainstream side uh, for these tactics that are very Nazi-like, and they're setting the stage for scapegoating a small percentage of people who have woken up and said, no, we do not want to go off the cliff like a pharmaceutical lemming. And it's enough already. And um, Mike Adams, National News, just published an article today titled When Medicine Becomes Murder, America's Vaccine Narrative Now Mirrors Nazi Eugenics Propaganda. So we we are not saying anything that has not been at this point validated by what we've seen, what we've learned from history and how they're applying the similar techniques here in 2015. Yeah, it's it's a. In fact, Robert, if you can send me that uh, link, I'd like to read that because I have not. Absolutely, yeah. After the show tonight, you'll catch up, and I know you're going to want to talk more about it uh, because this is really where it's heading, and it's very appropriate. Now, I know some people when they hear the term Nazi, they shut their ears and go la 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 la. But you don't want to do that. That's what happened back then when you know they came for the communists. No one spoke up because they weren't communists, right? When they came for the gypsies, no one spoke up. They weren't gypsies. You could say it about the gays. You say it about the Jews. And at the point when they came for you, there's no one left. Now is the time not to be silent, but to speak up and point out what is happening here. The scapegoating starts this way. Ten years from now, it becomes round them up and, you know, eugenicide, if you will. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, the way you just stated it, I've heard it stated the same way. They came for the gypsies. They came for the 
communists that came, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that always elicits an emotional response in me because it, mm-hmm. it really brings home the fact that sometimes we sit back and we stick our head in the sand and we think, well, it's not me. You know, autism is not affecting me. Cancer is not affecting me. Heart disease isn't affecting me. But sooner or later, um, this is going to affect everybody because right now it's to do with the disease aspects. And then those people that are healthy, that refuse to take vaccines, they become almost um, a separate population. Uh, as we've talked about, you know, the the people that are labeled as anti-vaccines, and those are, those are the ones that are going to be rounded up. And Right. And, yeah. of course, we're calling them out because now they're they're now known as anti-factors, F-A-C-T, anti-factors. They're against the facts. In fact, another good friend of mine, uh, Sayer G, he has greenmedinfo.com. We've, we've covered stories from him as well, Dr. Batar. Really great guy. And guess what he just released? 200 evidence-based reasons not to vaccinate and it's a basically a free research pdf that lists 200 peer-reviewed journal articles that throw it right back in their face when obama even says there's no reason not to vaccinate or any doctor says it here you go 200 evidence-based and peer-reviewed uh journal articles that say here are some things to consider before you you might maybe not want to vaccinate Wow, that's another great uh, resource. I didn't even know there was something like that released. That's awesome. That's yeah, literally that... just came out today. So we're right on the cusp of, of the pushback, which needs to happen. Yeah, that's fantastic information. And really, the fact that we need to have journal articles, and I didn't even know there were 200 journal articles out there that talked about this, but the fact that there are, there's even one journal article out there that's peer-reviewed that's mm-hmm. talked about the questioning of vaccines or the way to do it or, or the things that people should be considering before they vaccinate. That should put some type of thought process in an individual's mind that, okay, there's, there's a there's an opposition here, there's a, there's a counterpoint here. Mm-hmm. But does mainstream media ever talk about these studies, these 200 No, no, they don't. Absolutely. We're going to talk about one of them. Yeah, no, stand by. We've got to take a break. We'll be back to wrap up Advanced Medicine, MedicalRewind.com, RobertScottBell.com with Dr. Rasha Bittar after this. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Remember, if you miss an episode of Advanced Medicine with Dr. Bittar, easiest way to get it, medicalrewind.com. Links are up always in the show notes at robertscottbell.com to the incredible uh, best-selling, international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. I mentioned it earlier, and I hope everybody, if you haven't already gotten it, please do so. It's an absolutely wonderful and practical guide. And, you know, many other slots around the world, including our syndicator GCN, GCNlive.com, NaturalNewsRadio.com, UKHealthRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and our good friend Jerry Doyle at Epic Times. Thank you all for helping this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty get on out there. Now, question often comes up, Dr. Batar, how is it possible that people don't know what they should know or what we know now and what we're trying to help others to know? Well, it turns out, well, there's some evidence that people aren't really thinking clearly. And in fact, there's a comedian, we've, we've probably referenced him before, this guy named Mark Dice. 
who goes like man on the street, goes out with clipboard and tries to, you know, uh, get you to, hey, would you like to revoke the First Amendment? And people sign it. Sure, let's revoke the First Amendment. He did this again. He went out. He was wearing an Obama shirt and he went to people and said, hey, listen, we need to promote illiteracy. Too many people know how to read. And they signed it. People were signing. Yes, I want to promote illiteracy. So it sort of explains not everybody's thinking clearly. Yeah, you know, there's so much that people can do, Robert, and there's so much people are doing. Um, I think first and foremost, it's like we've always said, people need to recognize that if you put your trust in any profession, entity, body, uh, without having the understanding that you are the sole person that will be responsible, meaning if you invest Mm -hmm. and you think that you're uh, consultant, uh, your investment consultant is going to be the best one looking out for your interest. Or if you trust the doctor and you think the t- doctor is going to be looking out for the best interest for you or your family, or you trust a mechanic, you think the mechanic's going to trust, you know, be, be the person that's going to look out for the, your car the best. That is part and parcel your fault because you're giving too much trust. You should, to, to expect the expert or so-called expert to give you advice, that's fine, but you still need to be reasonably educated and aware so that you yourself can say, oh, wait a second, I'm not sure, why do I need a new engine when I came in for a tire issue? Right. Or, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It, it, it behooves us to remember, first and foremost, that it is our responsibility. I cannot tell you how many times I'm, I'm amazed by this, that patients come in and I ask them, uh, you know, what's going on? They tell me the doctor told them to do this, this, and this for this problem. And I said, well, why would you want to do that? It's going to cause, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And the patient's response, Robert, it's, it's just amazing to me. It's almost as if they are afraid of offending the doctor by yes. either asking the doctor the questions or by saying, no, I don't want to do that. Right. They, it's well, almost apologetic, like, well, I really you know, don't want to upset my doctor. So, okay, so you want to take whatever, you want to take the statin drug and mm-hmm. fry your liver and run the chance of getting, you know, liver cancer and forget the fact that it's not going to do anything to the one issue that you're worried about, which mm-hmm. is your cardiovascular disease issue, which already the studies have shown that half the people with high lipids have no problems with cardiovascular disease and half the people that have cardiovascular disease have completely normal lipids anyway. So what? You know what? Yes. Why are you afraid to tell your doctor that? Hey, every time I take the statin drug, I end up getting muscle weakness. I get fatigue. My joints hurt. My 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 muscles hurt. I can't think right. Why do you have a problem telling your doctor this? Oh, I don't, I don't want to upset my doctor. Right. You see, this is the problem that we have. And this is actually, if you think back to what Ty has talked about, the history of medicine. Yeah. I think this part and parcel of the educational system. So I think people need to remember that it is their responsibility to take the bull by the horns, you are your best advocate. If it doesn't make sense to you, if it doesn't appeal to your raw intellect, to your, then, then don't do it. Right. You, you have the right to make that choice. Right. And remember, uh, when you go to see a new doctor, your first question of the doctor is, how often do you have a bowel movement? Remember that? That was the great litmus because it, how they react will tell you a lot about who they are as a, as a physician. So that's, a, that's a very good point because uh, many doctors are constipated themselves and they think it's normal. I yeah. cannot tell you how many times people have told me that you know one bowel movement a day is normal right. it's not and when you have crap for brains it's hard to think clearly that's a good point too yeah well we're about out of time man what a great episode i appreciate you rolling with me on these topics talking about the, the animals and the vaccines as well as the, the larger issue of vaccination and uh you know even the spiritual or religious aspects of uh you know saying uh-uh, not this way we're not going with you there 
Uh, and, you know, we'll continue to bring this uh, message out of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And I'm going to leave you with one. Actually, I'm not going to leave you with the message. Dr. Batar, let them know what they need to know. Well, before I do that, Robert, I want to wish you a happy birthday. And uh, for the rest of the world, I want you to remember that the power to heal is absolutely yours. And that is the gift, my friends. The Robert Scott Bell Show.